Yeah, you guys happy to be here? Yes, cool. You guys excited to hear from God? Sweet. I believe he's going to speak. Okay, so 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ walked the earth. But he, he, though he was a man, um, he, he wasn't a normal man, right? Uh, if you know anything about Christianity, which I imagine most of you are here because you know at least something, um, Jesus was a man who walked the earth, but he was God in the flesh, right? He, he was God who said, I am going to become like man so that I can save man. And this man, Jesus, he changed the course of history through his life. 2,000 years ago, when he walked the earth, History has never been the same since then. And, and there's no one on this earth, I guarantee you will not find a single person who has been more influential, who has been more recognized, who has changed the world more than Jesus. And yet, for everything that Jesus did for the 33 years he lived, right? 2,000 years ago, for those 33 years that he was alive, for everything that he did, he himself says that you and I can do greater things than even he did. 2,000 years ago, Jesus spent the last three years of his life preaching and teaching the truth about God to thousands upon thousands of people, more people than you can probably picture in your mind, okay? Like, more than the Colosseum multiple times over. And yet, Jesus says that you can do even greater things than this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus performed miracles and signs and wonders on a daily basis. He saw people's arms regrow. He saw demon-possessed people get freed. He saw dead people raised to life. And yet Jesus says that you have the capability to see greater things happen. 2,000 years ago, Jesus had 12 disciples who went and changed the world, 11 of them went and changed the world. They went to countries and whole continents even were changed for Jesus. And Jesus says that you can do even greater things through the disciples that you make. 2,000 years ago, Jesus did some of the most incredible things the human mind can fathom. And yet, he says that you and I have the opportunity to do greater things. Now, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not that bold, okay? G these are Jesus' words, and I want you to see this tonight, okay? This is where we're going we're gonna to come from, and this is John 14, chapter 12, and this is what Jesus says. He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Okay, so read everything you want about Jesus. He said, if you believe in me, you can do the works I've been doing. Any of the things you read in the gospel. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and even greater things than these. Is that not one of the most incredible statements you've ever heard? Is that not also equally one of the most like, challenging, like hard truths to swallow? When we are faced with this statement, I, I mean, I was faced with this. Every time I read it, I, that my first kind of option when I look at this is to go, well, ah, well, Jesus didn't really. I mean, he, he really was saying something else. Like, and we can, like, try to explain that away, okay? Or the other option is we can say, okay, Jesus, I don't fully understand this. I, I, I don't understand what this means, but I'm going to take you at your word, and I'm going to do my best to walk in this. I'm going to walk in this reality. Now, 
you might say it's presumptuous or arrogant or prideful to say that we, that little old me, can do more than what Jesus did, right? Like, that, that might seem presumptuous, but I am of the opinion that I would rather trust what Jesus said than kind of my own thoughts and interpretations just because it's a little challenging, right? So by the end of this uh, evening, I would hope that you guys are in that same camp too, that you would walk away saying, you know what, Jesus, I may not fully understand this, but I'm going to trust your words. And so tonight, what we are going to be talking about is expecting for greater things, right? We're starting a new year. What a great thing to do to expect for greater things, right? We're talking about expecting for greater things for your own personal life, right? Expecting for greater things for your friends and the group of people that you hang out with. Expecting for greater things for our Chi Alpha and expecting for greater things for this campus. Because God, he, he wants to do greater things in your life. God wants to do greater things with your friends. God wants to do greater things with our Chi Alpha and he wants to do greater things on this campus. God is for us. He, he wants this for us. But the question must be asked, do we, right? Do we want to see greater things happen? Do we want to see the things that Jesus said could be possible for us? Or are we just kind of like, you know what, I, I'm good. I like, I, I'm good with my singing on Thursday and kind of once a week going to small group, you know, like, are we content where we're at? Or do we really want to see and be a part of what Jesus has promised. Tonight, my goal is to burn a question in your brain, okay? Like this is, a, everyone on our staff is ruined. They will never not think of this question. It has been etched into our souls, and I want this to be for you guys too. And it's this question, okay? What do I have faith for? What do I have faith for? If you ask any one of our staff members, and a lot of our small group leaders, if I, I really think this has started to become a reality too, is what, what do I have faith for? Actually sitting down and asking God and working through with him, what do I have faith for? And the reason this question is so important is because Jesus gives us the criteria for seeing these greater things, right? He says it in this verse, in, in chapter uh, 14, verse 12. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, right? Whoever believes in me. The measure of the greater things Jesus wants to do through you and through me is the measure of the faith we have in him, right? If we want to see God do greater things, it's going to take us saying, God, I'm going to believe for this. I'm going to walk in this. So again, I ask you, what do you have faith for? What do I have faith? faith for this year this semester for my life for my future what do i believe that god can and even wants to do through me so um if you are with us tonight you're not a christian i am so glad you're here uh i i please don't check out this is i, I understand this is very much geared to like okay i believe in god and i have faith for what god's gonna do right um, my hope is if you're here with us that you would begin to see a, just just some of that majesty and wonder of the God we serve that really does want to do incredible things to our lives and that you would really be like, you know what, I, I think I want to be a part of this family and this army. So stick with me, all right? So Jesus has told us the criteria for seeing these great things, which is faith, right? It's faith. It's, it's what do I have faith for? And in his kindness and in his wisdom, I love this like 
faith is one of those words where you're like, like if I said, what do you think it means? And people are like, oh, you know, like faith, like, you know, it's like, no, I don't. Like, you what does it mean, right? And so Jesus, he's not vague. He's not like, he's not left us to figure out. He doesn't say like, oh, just have faith. You'll figure it out. Like, he's not like that, right? He actually gives us structure for what faith can look like. And so uh, Matthew 7, verse 7 through 8, this is what he says. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. In order to see greater things, in order to see the things that we have faith for become a reality, we must have a faith that asks, a faith that seeks, and a faith that knocks. So let's unpack that, all right? We're going to unpack what it means to ask, to seek, and to knock in order to see these greater things. Uh, who has ever seen the movie The Wizard of Oz? Let's go. Okay, has some, peop some people have not seen this movie, yes? Yeah, has, has there anyone that's, yeah, people have not seen this, right? Did everyone raise their hand? Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay. Oh, you have, never mind. Well, if you haven't seen it and you're just too ashamed to raise your hands, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to put you on blast. Uh, spoiler alert, you've had 100 years almost to see the movie. It came out in 1930, which is bonkers, okay? Um, I didn't realize they, actually, I'm not going to say that. I did realize they made movies back then. Um, that was the first color movie. Anyways, that doesn't matter. So, The Wizard of Oz, all right? The, the main character, what's her name? Dorothy. Yes. Okay, so Dorothy, she lives in, in Kansas, okay? And she gets magically whisked away to the land of Oz. And it's bizarre, right? Like, it's color. She's never seen color before. Uh, there's, there's munchkins, and there's witches, and, like, the craziest stuff you've ever seen, right? Um, and so she gets there, and she realizes, like, I'm not in Kansas anymore, right? And so... After everything kind of settles down and she's killed the first witch and the second scary witch comes and then the good witch comes and all this crazy stuff, she has this moment where she's like, I, I just want to go home, right? And so she's talking to the good witch of the north and she asks her and she says, like, what, how do I get home, right? Um, and the reason I'm bringing up this movie is because I actually think it, it, it does a really cool picture of what it looks like to ask, seek, and knock. So she asks the witch, Hey, how do I get home? And so the, the witch ends up telling, well, hey, actually, there's a wizard who lives in the castle of Oz. And if you just follow the, the what? The yellow brick road, right? You'll end up there inevitably. And so what does she do? She decides to seek out the wizard, right? She's asked, how do I get home? She's been told away. She seeks. She goes after him. She brings some friends along. And then... There's ultimately this point where she's at the castle. I went and watched the scene the other day, and Heather was like, what are you watching? I was like, The Wizard of Oz, like a two-minute clip. Um, but they're in the hallway, and they're, they're like, do we go and talk to him? Like, he's kind of scary. We don't know what he's like. Do we go, right? And they're at this moment where no, they don't physically knock on the door, but they're at this moment of knocking. Like, are we actually going to knock on the door and go on the other side, right? And so we see this where it is this, you know, asking, seeking, and knocking. And if we 
are going to see God do greater things in our life, then we're going to have to do the same. We're going to have to ask, we're going to have to seek, and we're going to have to knock. And so the first thing we do is ask. Mark 11, 22 to 24, it's so crazy. This This one, yeah, you'll see. This one is crazy. So it says this, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. One of the great things the Bible teaches us about faith and believing for these greater things is that God wants to answer our prayers. God is, is longing to answer our prayers, if only we will ask him. God is ready to do immeasurably excuse me, immeasurably more than we can think or imagine if only we'll ask him. Um, the reason I say this, this verse is incredible to me, uh, it reminds me of a story that I heard uh, multiple times. So I'm like, you, sometimes you hear stories and you're like, that's not real. And so you, some of you guys might think this, okay? But every time I read this passage, I'm like, okay, like really? Like mountains? Sure. And so there was a story of a missionary... Um, kind of like school that was in China, and the, the Lord was really blessing them, and they were getting to a point where the building that they had couldn't sustain the amount of children they had, um, and, and the way the, the geography was, was it was a mountain range behind them, and the building was here, and on this side was, you know, industrial complex, and on this side was a bunch of businesses, and across the street, I mean, there was nowhere for them to go, and they people who were running, the missionaries, were having a conversation, and it'd be like, me and Matt were over here just kind of like, <laughs> I mean, like, I guess we could pray that verse, like, move some mountains, like, God says he'll do it, and they were kind of, they were kind of mocking, like, maybe, oh, we'll just, yeah, sure, we'll just pray that, and some of the kids had overheard that, and they didn't understand sarcasm, they didn't understand that there was, you know, being kind of a little snarky, and so they went back and told the other kids, hey, Apparently, the Bible says that if we pray, God can move a mountain. And so the kids began to pray. And they ended up taking the, the, the children on like a trip. It was, it was like a week or, or so long trip. And they came back, and the mountain that was behind their building was like leveled. And they were like, all the teachers were like, what in the world? Like, what? Like, and the kids were like, oh, we just prayed. And come to find out that the government had actually essentially needed to um, fill up like part of a bay. And so they just came and said, hey, we're going to blast up this mountain. We're going to take it all and we're going to move it. And the Lord answered their prayer. Now, not maybe not like physically lifted up a mountain and threw it into the ocean. But literally, <laughs> the mountain was lifted up, destroyed, and thrown into the ocean. Because these children asked. And God heard their cries. And they were able to build beyond and, and, and to sustain what God was doing, right? God wants to do incredible things through our lives, things that, that, that sound crazy, things that sound like they're made up, things that people look at and go, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, who actually is like, yeah, I think people can walk on water. Like, we seem to be okay with Jesus doing it. Well, he's Jesus, but he says that, like, these are the things that are available to those who believe in him, not just for the sake of walking on water, not just for the sake of moving a mountain, but that he might get glory. Now, 
God wants to do these things, but he often does withhold until we ask. And this is not because he's an aloof, mean-spirited, angry God. He's a God who desires for us to come to him. He's a God who wants to do these things with us, right? God doesn't just give and, and do these greater things so that, oh, look at Allie. She's so great. It's, th- it's not actually about that. It's, ac- it's about him getting the glory because you look at this and you go, this couldn't happen any other way than God. He wants us to ask him. And something I've learned about asking is how unbelievably important it is to ask specifically, okay? Uh, I learned this. General prayers are the enemy of seeing God do greater things, okay? Prayers like, God, would you do something, aren't good enough, okay? Like, what is it you're asking God to do, right? Prayers like, God, I need help. They're, They're not enough, okay? Like, what kind of help do you actually need from God? Prayers like, God, would you just save X person? Still aren't enough, right? We, what do they need saved from? God, would you touch them? Would you speak to them about the sin in their life, right? That is what actually we need to be praying, a specific, clear thing. That's what we need to ask. Ask specifically for what it is you are expecting God to do and believe that he is able and willing to answer. One of the great things, oops, uh, sorry, James 4, 2. This verse, I don't know, this verse is, is rough. It just says this, you do not have because you do not ask. It's very simple, very blunt. But I mean, guys, like, I wonder how often that's true of us. We, we long for things, we hope for things, we wish for things to be a certain way, but we never ask. It, it's, I mean, it's cool to, like, hope for something, but... You can hope and hope and hope that the girl's going to like you, but you need to go ask her out at some point, right? Like, you, you, you have to ask, and God wants to answer. This past summer, I took this uh, passage seriously, and I asked God for something very specifically. Um, what I asked, I said, God, would you give me a friend? Um, and, but I was very clear. That's kind of broad, right? And so I got specific, and I said, God, would you give me a friend who wants to be discipled, like they, they, they love you and they are like, I want this, okay? Would you give me a friend that I actually really enjoy being around, okay? Like, like it's fun to be with them. It's fun to talk with them. And would you give me a friend that also wants to take responsibility for other people? Um, and wouldn't you know it, God answered, right? But I'm going to come back to him in a minute. Um, I'll tell you who he is soon enough, I promise. Uh, so first, we must ask God, right? And we ask him specifically if we want to see these great things. But it's not enough to just ask and hope that God's going to drop everything out for, you know, in our laps, right? God wants us to be active participants in what he is doing. And, and this is what he's always done, right? If you go back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve, he invites Adam in to what he's doing. God has always been a God of cooperation, right? Now, he's the one who invites us in, but, but he invites us to do this with him. And so the seeking aspect is because God wants us to be a part of this, right? And so God is not a, a gumball machine where we just put in a quarter and we get what we expected, right? Like, you don't just, I just prayed, therefore I get. Like, he doesn't work like that. There is this level of, okay, we ask, but we also seek. 
And so, um, one of the greatest invitations that God ever gave, right? He gives these invitations, was the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all the all the nations, right? Like some people say, well, why couldn't God just save everyone? You could make you you could argue day and night over whether He could or couldn't. The reality is. He invited us to be a part of that, to go out and to do it, right? But it's so crazy. Jesus doesn't call us to ask for all the lost people in the world to be saved. We should do that. We should pray for lost people. Jesus instead tells us to seek them out, right? To seek out, right? Uh, when Jesus tells us to go make disciples here at WVU, he doesn't call us to ask and hope for people in our small groups and our friends to get saved. We should pray for that. We should ask God that. He tells us to seek, to go after our friends. When Jesus calls us to serve our neighbors and our, and our family, he doesn't ask us to sit in our room praying and asking for them. We should do that. We should pray for our friends and family. He tells us to go to them, to seek them out, right? There is this reality that when God wants to do something in our lives, we ask him, yes, but the next step is to then go after him, go after what it is we're asking for. And this, some people might go, oh, isn't that just like self-fulfilling? Like we're just fulfilling our own prayers? No, like because again, God is a God who wants to do this with us. And at the end of the day, it's, it's him who does it. It's him who answers. But we have a part to play, right? Um, Proverbs eight seventeen, God says this, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Those who seek me will find me. Yes, we must ask God. He is pleased when we come to him and ask him for things. But he is equally pleased when we seek him and we seek out the very things we're asking him for. And the things that we have faith for will become a reality when we ask God for them and we seek them out alongside him. So going back to my prayer this summer, right? So I asked God specifically for a friend specifically for a friend who wanted to be discipled, a friend who I enjoy being around, a friend who's willing to take responsibility for other people as well. Um, and I prayed that all summer, okay? Like, I, I told people about it. I told my friends. I was like, this is what I'm praying for. I was excited. I'm like, yes, I know God is going to let me meet this guy when the school year starts. And so Welcome Week comes around, and uh, Welcome Week is crazy, and so I'm like, like, eyes up, radar on, like, okay, God, like, this guy that I'm praying for, like, he's, like, I, I'm not, <laughs> I wasn't sitting in my house in South Park neighborhood hoping with my fingers crossed, like, oh, I just pray this freshman comes and knocks on my door. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, no, that, that's dumb, right? Like, that doesn't happen. So I'm out there, welcome week, and I'm seeking. I'm asking and I'm seeking. And then welcome week's over, and I haven't found him. I'm like, what the heck? But no, I'm going to keep seeking because I believe God's going to answer. And it took almost a month, and I met him right, like, right there in the middle of the aisle, like, towards the back. I know y'all all looked. Sorry for was walking out. Um, right back there, I met him. I'll tell you who he is in just a sec, I promise. You might already know if you're, if you're friends with me or him. Um... So we ask, we seek, and then we ultimately come to the point where we must knock, right? Where we have to, we knock on the door. So this is what I like to think of as like this ultimate 
point of faith. Like, like you can ask God all you want. You can seek God all you want. There's a point where he's like, all right, like, I'm ready to answer. And, and what it takes is that knock. Am I actually going to go up to the point where it's like, th- this is the point of no return, right? Where God is answering. I can see it. But do I really, do I really want to be a part of this? Like, this is Dorothy in, in, in the land of Oz, right? She's at the castle. They, they know, at least in their mind, that the wizard can answer. And all they have to do is knock. All they have to do is take that step in to his throne room, right? And, like, we've, we've all seen this, like, in, in every, rom, like, who likes rom-coms? Jake, let's go. That's it? Not a lot of people like rom-coms? Okay, well, anyways, we've all seen it. If you've ever seen even one rom-com, you've seen most of them. Fight me on that. Um, but it's that scene where, like, the guy is messed up because, like, the guy is always the one who messes up, right? And so he's messed up. And, like, it's, like, the last 30 minutes of the movie, and you're really sad, and you're, like, everything they fought for is over. And he, he's bought the flowers. He recognizes that he's wrong, and he goes to the door. And then you get this, like, cinematic shot where it's, like, here's the door, and it's, like, the girl is here, and the guy is here, and he's, like, about to knock. And then it's, like, the tense moment. It's, like, is he going to? Right? Like, I think of Hitch. That's the one I come to because he's like right there. He's about to knock. And they don't know each other there, right? And all he has to do is knock, right? Like, they both, they want each other. All he has to do is knock. And depending on what movie it is, he kind of pulls his hand away and he walks off. And you're like, no, right? Like, dummy. Or maybe he knocks and they get back together. Like, we've all seen it, right? It's that moment of like, will I knock on the other side of the door? is what God wants to do on the other side of the door, but I need to knock. So often, this is the reason we don't see greater things in our life. Guys, there is a cost, and so often we just don't want to pay it, right? Like, there is a cost to praying big prayers. There is a cost to the question, what do I have faith for? You ask that question, God, I have faith for this. Again, he's not a gumball machine. He's not just going to open a portal in your room and drop whatever you ask for. It takes, it's a cost to go out and seek. It's an even greater cost to knock. It might be uncomfortability. It might be laying down your pride. It might be killing an independent spirit. It might be a myriad of things that God asks of you if you want to walk in this greater faith that he has. Too often we ask God for greater things. We seek God for these things. But when the moment comes where God wants to answer and all we have to do is knock and all we have to do is step into it, we don't. We pull our hand away from the door and we walk away. And then we're like, man, God didn't answer my prayer. It's like, no, like he did. All you had to do was step into it. I think some of the greatest men and women in history who knocked and saw greater things, uh, they got to see, so like, what Jesus talked about, okay? So, Jesus went around laying his hands on people and healing them of their sicknesses, all right? And just a few short years later, the Apostle Paul, when he walked around, people started getting healed just by his shadow. And, like, at one point, he sent, like, a, a handkerchief, like a tissue, and people touched it, and they were healed. 
And Paul did greater things than even Jesus did. Jesus ministered in the country of Israel for three years. And at the end of that time, do you know how many people in the entire country were willing to believe in him? 500. In the year three or 400 A.D., St. Uh, Patrick, the guy St. Patrick's Day, you guys, I think every year, I love him. I've got Irish heritage. He's not even Irish, though. He's British. But it's so crazy. I think he's like rolling in his grave on St. Patty's Day. But regardless, do you know St. Patrick saw over 90% of all of Ireland saved just through his ministry? I mean, he did greater things than Jesus. Je Jesus preached for three years to tens of thousands of people. And in the 1500s, there was a man named Francis Xavier who on foot preached to more people than anyone in the world up until the time of Billy Graham. Okay, that's like the 1990s. No one had preached to more people than Francis Xavier. He did greater things than Jesus. Jesus cared for the brokenhearted and saw hundreds upon hundreds of people's lives restored. Like the, the emotional lives restored, right? And a woman named Mother Teresa in India saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives restored. She did greater things. And even today, just through technology alone, there are pastors on a given Sunday morning who preach to more people than Jesus did in his entire three years of ministry in one morning. Greater things, right? Now, these were men and women that knocked. They believed for bigger things. They believed God wanted to do this. And I am not saying any of this to discredit Jesus. None of this is to say, oh, poo, you know, poo-poo on him, like what in the world? Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Ugh, I'm going to get flack for that. <sighs> Let's take a breath. <sighs> Guys, this is not meant to take away from Jesus, okay? What, what we understand when we look at each of these people's lives is that this only happened because of Jesus, because they asked, because they sought, because they knocked, because they believed and had faith for something great. Jesus was the one who did this, and Jesus is the one who gets glory. And so when Jesus invites us to do greater things, it's not so that we get puffed up, but it's that he gets the glory, and we get to be a part of it. And I don't know another God. I don't know another faith. I don't know another reality where the creator says, hey, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing, and I want you to see things greater than even what I did. I'll tell you who my friend is now. His name is Nathan. He's sitting right there. Nathan is awesome. I love Nathan. He's not a freshman. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I just said freshman earlier. I apologize. I'm not a liar. Um, I had asked God, okay, and I had sought for like a month. And guys, when I saw Nathan sitting back there, it was like, I don't remember if I preached that night or someone preached, but I saw him. At, he was like in the back row, and I, and I remember thinking like, huh, maybe that's the guy. Like just, I haven't found him yet, but I'm still believing. And then it was like the service was over, and I started doing that thing where I was like, well, it would be kind of weird if I walked up and just talked to him. I don't know. Maybe he was sitting alone for a reason. And I was like, no, dummy. Like, what are you doing, Sean? And so I just kind of, I like literally told myself that. I was like, I'm going to go talk to him. And so I walked up and was like, hey, man, I'm Sean. And the rest was history. Like, Nathan is one of my brothers. He's one of my friends. And it was because there was that moment where I said, God, I asked you, and I have been seeking, and now it's this moment where it's like, all right, am I going to knock or not? Like, 
Am I going to walk into what you're, what you're doing or not? Now, the craziest part is that unbeknownst to me, about the exact same time I had started praying in the summer, Nathan had randomly watched a sermon at the church that we go to, and I had preached that week. And he was, like, watching it online, and afterwards he was like, you know, Lord, like, it'd be really cool if I got to meet Sean and, and be a part of his small group. And then the school year started, and he had known about Chi Alpha through someone. He's like, well, I'll just go. Like, I'll seek. I'll go. And then we met each other, and it, he could have just been like, oh, I'm good. Like, you're kind of weird. I don't like you. Or, no, he, like, at the point of knocking, he's like, yeah, awesome. Like, I'll be a part of this. And then this way that only God can do, he answered both of our prayers at the same time, six months prior, <laughs> that ne- neither of us knew each other were praying and so, I, like, I, I asked him, I was like, can I talk about this? He's like, yeah, sure. Like, he's just so chill. And I was like, but it's so crazy. Like, it's so crazy what God can do when we ask, when we seek, and when we knock. Whatever you have faith for, so long as it is pleasing to God, he wants to answer it if we will only ask, seek, and knock. So, God wants to do greater things in your life. He wants to do this, Okay. Like I said, it's not like you're going to go walk on water. I'm not saying you're going to do that. Maybe. Like, there are crazy stories of missionaries that have walked on water or ran on water. And every time I read them, I'm like, I'm like, well, Jesus said, like, why not, right? He's the God who does this. But God wants to do these things through you. He wants to do these things in your friend group. He wants to do greater things at our Kyle. He wants to do greater things at this university. And so what will you have faith for? We ask that question, what do I have faith for? I just want to paint a picture of, of what that could look like, right? Like, what are some of the things? Like, what if you had faith, you, each of us, what if we had faith that this whole room would be filled before the semester's over? And then the seeking is like, okay, well, I'm going to go invite one person. If all of us invite one person next week, this room is full. Like, and then the week after, we've got to go find another room, right? Like, what do I have faith for? Maybe you have faith that God would use you to share the gospel in your class. So many people get these opportunities where you have to present, and you get to present about whatever you want. Why not just say, God, I have faith that this semester you can make it possible that I get to share the gospel in some way in front of my whole class. Or you have faith to see someone healed that you pray for. Last year, maybe a year and a half ago, Evan literally was, where are you at, Evan? It was so cool. He was like, you know, God, I've never prayed for anyone to be healed before. I want to believe that you can do that. And then he asked, I told him, I was like, I have this horrible splitting migraine. And he's like, well, can I pray for you? And he prayed for me, and the Lord healed me. And then later he was like, that was the first person I ever prayed for. <laughs> like, it, he had said he wanted to do it, and then the first time he did it, it was like a 100% success rate. And <laughs> it's like, like, why not believe that God can do it? Or maybe you just say, God, I, I want to have faith that you can actually heal me. Like, I've never actually asked anyone to pray for me to be healed or I've asked a hundred times, and I want to ask again, right? Maybe you want to be, you want to have faith to bring people into this room who we've never seen in this room. We, we don't ever really see athletes in this room. We very rarely see frat guys and sorority girls. We don't see a lot of the, like, just there's, there's people that you know that you go, man, God, I want to have faith that they'll be in this room too, and I'll, I'll bring them, and I'll seek them out, and I'll ask. Maybe you want to have faith to lead someone to Jesus, God, I, I, I have faith that this semester I could lead someone to Jesus. Or, you know, last year we did this missions offering, and we're going to do it again this year. 
We raised $8,600 last year. You say, God, I want to have faith that we can raise more than that, that we're going to do incredibly more than any of us in this room can imagine. Or have faith to be free from addiction or depression or anxiety or people-pleasing or anything that, that just like bogs you down. God, I, I have faith that you're going to give me freedom this semester. That you would have uh, faith to be a part of some, th- sorry, to be a part of seeing someone in your family come to know the Lord, whether it be your mom, your brother, your sister, right? That you would have faith, seniors, you guys are leaving in like a semester, that you would have faith that when you go into the marketplace, you'd actually be able to keep thriving and walking with Jesus and be able to share Jesus with your coworkers, right? Or maybe you have faith to, to, to be an intern with WVU Calpha or a missionary overseas, right? Like God wants us to have a big faith. Just imagine what it would be like if everywhere each of you guys went on this campus, the presence of God was with you. Just imagine what it would be like if everywhere you went on campus, people knew that God was with you, and they knew that when you prayed, God listened. Just imagine what it would be like if we outgrew this room this semester, and we're like, struggling to find a place to be, right? Just imagine what it would be like if you started leading people to God, not once a semester, not once in your lifetime, but once a month or even once a week. Like, just imagine what it would be like. What would change on this campus if we had the faith to say, God, I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, and I'm going to knock to see my fellow college students know you. Just imagine what it would be like to offer the freedom you have in Jesus to your classmates, your professors, your family members, your friends, even the clerk at Kroger. Just imagine what it would be like to freely give what you freely have been given. Just imagine what it would be, this is my, I mean like, I was just like trying to dream up, like, like I want, I want to have faith that one day we're going to make the front page of the school newspaper. I know it's not the greatest newspaper in the world, but like, and I want, not like a, look at this horrible cult, like, you know, but Look at what God is doing. Like, I read a book. Um, it was about, like, all the different crazy movements of God, the revivals throughout history. And Time Magazine was, like, the, the, like, at the time, like, Washington Post, New York Times were posting all about these revivals. And it was hysterical to have, like, people who don't love God try to explain what was going on. Like, I want that to happen. I want to have faith that God is doing something so incredible that our university recognizes it and is, like, Something is happening, and people start coming, right? Like, just imagine all the incredible things God can and wants to do through each of you. He wants to, if we will ask, if we will seek, if we will knock. The band can go ahead and come up. Um, And just that question again, what do I have faith for? What do I have faith for? Our response tonight is going to be simple, okay? Like, it's not this heavy, like, somber response, okay? Like, that's not, that's not the mood of tonight. Like, tonight, I just want us to answer this question. What do I have faith for? And then begin to walk in that, okay? Um, we're going to take some time before we start singing. Uh, they're just going to play their instruments a little bit. Um, and I want you, if you have notebooks, like the studious, uh, studious students that you are, or if you have a phone, right? Like, I always just use my phone. But I want you to write that question, what do I have faith for? And then under it, I want you to 
with the Lord or, or kind of maybe even now you've already been like, man, like, I want to see this happen. I want to be a part of this. I want you to write that down, okay? And it can be, like, listen, I, I try to go through it. It can be personal. I want to see this in my life. It could be with my friends. Man, I want to see this happen in my friends' or family's lives. It could be, man, I want to see this happen in our movement, or I want to see this happen at this university, and I have faith for this, right? And if you want to, you can begin to dream with the Lord and say, okay, what does the seeking look like? What, what steps does that take? What is that going to take for me to walk in this, right? And then to say, God, prepare me for when you begin to answer. Let me not pull my hand away, but let me knock and walk into that. God wants to do greater things. And so when you write that down, just remember, don't be generic, okay? Don't be generic. Don't, God, I want to be happy. Well, okay, cool. What does that mean, right? Like, no, God, I want to be freed from this, this, and this in my life. And then the seeking is, okay, I'm going to need some friends. I'm going to need to trust you and fix my eyes on you, right? Like we walk through, walk these things out. And so, and don't, don't let it be small either. Let what you write down be something that actually takes faith, okay? Like sometimes we sell ourselves short and it's not really anything that God needs to do. It's something we can go and do. Like I have faith that I can read my Bible for 10 minutes a day. It's like, well, <laughs> you don't need God's help for that. Like you got it, okay? Like just put a 10 minute timer on and read, right? Believe for something big. God wants to do greater things through you, through us, through me. And these greater things will happen because of the faith that we have. And I love Jesus. Again, he's so kind. Mark 9, 22, there's this demon that is like possessed this boy and the father comes to him and, it, and he says this, the demon has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus kind of, he's like, if I can, like if if you can, Jesus said, everything is possible to the one who believes. And then I love this. The boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe you can do this, Jesus, but there is actually still a part of me that struggles to understand all of it. Uh, it's like this, this, like, I believe, but I still have doubts. I, I believe, but there's some things that are really hard for me to grasp. I believe but I don't understand. And the reality is Jesus is okay with that. And he wants to actually strengthen and, and produce a greater faith in you, right? And so we get to do this with him. God will help grow your faith. So believe for something that actually takes faith. Believe for something that makes you go, I mean, I, I know God can do this. You know, like, that's the kind of faith he wants us to have. And I'm telling you guys, if, we, if that's what we have, if that's what we're walking in this semester, this, I mean, this campus isn't ready. Like, our classmates aren't ready for it. Like, if we're going to believe and, and have faith for big things, and then we'll be people that will seek God and, and not just sit and hope it happens, and if we'll be people that are willing to say yes when God shows up and answers... WVU isn't ready. Like, the Lord is going to do incredible things, and we get to be a part of it. You will get to be a part of it in your own life, in your friend's life, on this campus, and in our Chi Alpha. So let's respond. Write down your answer. What do I have faith for? And then, y'all, it's going to be like April. And you're going to look back and you go, I prayed that, and God answered. Or it's going to be next week, and you go, I prayed that, God answered. Then you just do it again. 
what do I have faith for? So what do I have faith for for this semester? What do I have faith for? How can I seek? How can I ask? How can I knock? Let's respond.